Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Grace Anglican Church of Grove City, Pennsylvania. Our goal in every sermon is to proclaim the bold truth of the Word of God, especially the undiluted grace of Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, check out our website at graceanglicanonline.com. So we're celebrating All Saints Day this Sunday. And in light of that, I wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, And just to give uh, some reflections on the importance of All Saints. And also some of the dangers of All Saints Day. And then a few thoughts on how our readings today maybe give us some clarity and insight in how we think about All Saints Day. But as I was... Reflecting on All Saints Day and in preparing um, for today, I just kept coming to mind was my first clergy retreat as an Anglican priest. We were at the Antiochian village in uh, Ligonier. And Antiochian village is an Eastern Orthodox retreat center. And within that, we would do our worship. We would... Uh, do the offices of morning and evening prayer, and we celebrated the Eucharist in their sanctuary. And if you've ever been in an Eastern Orthodox sanctuary, they're a little bit different than Protestant or even Roman sanctuaries. Uh, They're very ornate, often beautiful, almost glowing. And one of the things that you will immediately notice when you're in an Eastern church is that it's surrounded by icons, all around you. And part of the reason behind that, even though uh, there's been tension and, and battles between the East and the West and misunderstanding on both sides on what icons represent and that use, but part of the reason for the way that the East sets up their, their worship spaces is because they have a little bit different emphasis than those from the Western tradition. The Western tradition has historically emphasized Christ coming down to us. But in the East, they emphasized in their worship the idea that we are being drawn up to the throne of heaven. And so their sanctuaries were depicted in a manner in which would draw your your sensibilities towards the fact that we are approaching the throne of heaven in worship. And all of those icons that surround you are supposed to be a reminder That though we don't perceive them with our eyes and with our senses, that when we come before the Lord in prayer and worship, that we aren't alone. That we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Worshiping before the throne as John describes in his revelation. That we don't see it, but it's happening around us. I found it to be a powerful thing. I found it also to be a distracting thing. It moved me to see these saints around me and remind me of that. It also caused me to sometimes forget where we were in the liturgy because I got caught up looking at an icon. But we actually, in our tradition, have something that is supposed to remind us of the very same thing. We call it the, the sanctus. 
when we, we, we sing the words, holy, 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 Lord God of power and might. We, we sing actual words of Scripture that are described and attributed to saints of the past and saints in the heavenly realm now. And if you read in the liturgy as we, as we begin, enter into the sanctus, we say these words. We say, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. That's supposed to be a reminder to us, just like those icons in the East, that's a reminder to us that what we are doing right here and right now, even if we don't perceive it, we're not alone. We're approaching the throne of Almighty God, surrounded by a multitude that no one can even number. And I think that's why it's important for us to maintain the historic practice, a practice that started in, in 609 A.D., the practice of celebrating All Saints Day. Because it reminds us that we are part of a tradition and a church that is far more diverse than we can imagine. And it goes further back than anyone can remember. And especially in a time and in a moment in which everything is trying to get us captured and focused on the current moment. Because people make money off of our attention, so we want to be tied to now. It's important that a day breaks into our calendar and reminds us we're part of something greater. And now, see, the, the practice of celebrating All Saints Day was rejected by some Protestants. Not all, clearly, because we're doing it right now. But it's rejected by some, but it's due in part because of the church's practice of formally venerating certain individuals as saints. And I agree that there can be a, a danger in that. Because it can begin to lead us into some type of Christian caste system. Lifting up those who are great, marking them as saints, and then beginning to think that the rest of us aren't. But what's interesting is the establishment of All Saints Day, in some ways, combats that. Because whenever it was established, it was, it was to venerate or to, to commemorate the changing of a pagan temple into a Christian church. And all you had saints that had their celebrations and their days throughout the Christian calendar at that point in the early 600s. And as they went, there was this realization that even though there were certain individuals that, that were notable in history, there were far more that history had forgotten that were still in the presence of God who were saints. So many that you couldn't even number. And so they decided to have a day that was a day of remembering all saints. Not just the ones who history happened to remember. See, all saints is supposed to be a day to remember the great cloud of witness that surrounds us, as the author of Hebrews speaks of. 
Both prominent saints such as St. Peter or St. Athanasius, but also those saints that everybody has forgotten. Some of those saints that nobody ever knew. To celebrate that random 11th century mentally handicapped individual whom society and his family rejected, but knew that Jesus accepted. A 19th century drunkard who just could never seem to hold on to sobriety. But Jesus never let let go of him. Your great-great-grandmother, who you don't even know her name. Most of the family has forgotten. But she made sure that your grandpa heard the gospel. And because of that, that played a major role in why you're here today. See, all saints is a celebration of all those who, by the grace of God, through Christ's atoning death, have entered into his presence. All those that by grace through faith in Christ have been set apart as God's chosen, his holy, blessed possession. To be named holy and set apart is what it means to be called a saint. And this break in the calendar is an important reminder of God's faithfulness to the multitudes that came before us. Reminding us that our current moment is just a a snippet of a greater reality. Our story is just a very small part of a much grander narrative that we are a part of. That God's redemption is far grander than we can imagine and has spanned the entire globe over many, many millennia. And as we celebrate all saints, it's a reminder that we're not alone. So Revelation talks about the great tribulation that they had passed through. It can also mean hardship or trial. It's a reminder to us right now that no matter what tribulation or hardship or trial that we might be facing as individuals, or if you read all the reports about the decline of the church in the West, or anything else that might be facing us, that there are a multitude that have already been carried on through to glory. It's a reminder and a testimony crying out to us that God's promises are faithful and he will carry you through even if it doesn't seem like it at the moment. That we are worshiping here today who by God's grace has made it to victory. And it's an important reminder to us because they are there by the same grace that is carrying you and I right now. And so, it's the Eastern icons and 
St. John's Revelation and the celebration of All Saints Day or the reciting of the Sanctus reminds us of something very important. But no matter how beautiful this, this idea is, I do think that there is a danger that can happen within the celebration of All Saints Day. It's a danger that I think our scripture readings both rectify for us. I mean, when you go into an Eastern church and you see these icons around, rightfully so, they are depicting a sense of those saints in their state of glorification. And often those icons depict something that they had done in their life or of martyrs. I remember one of the icons that distracted me from the liturgy constantly was the icon of St. George that was absolutely beautiful and absolutely gruesome. Because he is kneeling, holding his decapitated head in his hands. But it also has Christ receiving him and placing his head upon his shoulders with a crown. Absolutely beautiful and stunning. But the problem is, is that sometimes that walking into a realm of all these icons can be like walking into a hall of fame, but instead of bronze busts, they're wooden plaques with rich colors and gold leaf. The Protestants aren't free from this. We may not have images and icons, but we have our rock stars. We don't say St. Calvin. Kind of act like it, right? Now, I don't have a problem with it because I believe he's a saint. <laughs> but we have our, our Calvins with the great, wonderful theology that they've produced. Or the, the Wesleys with their piety and preaching. The Cranmer with his liturgical brilliance. Or Billy Graham and his, his evangelism. The John Newtons and their impact on society, or the William Carey's, and the fact that they gave up everything to be on mission. But we also do the same thing with saints, and I think even more frequently in Scripture. Because it's easier to venerate them because they're in the Bible. And so we have St. Paul, St. Peter. We hold them up. And rightfully so, to celebrate what by God's grace they were able to do is there's nothing wrong with that. But to be honest, if you read into the scriptures and just give an honest reading of it, be straight up. There's a lot of times that St. Paul was a jerk. And also, if you read St. Paul, he wouldn't be offended by that. He is the one who said at the end of his life that he is the chief or greatest of all sinners. I remember recently reading an article um, about Mother Teresa. It was talking about some of the, the sisters who were in her order of the missionaries for charity. And it was pointing out some negative things about Mother Teresa. About how harsh she could be at times. And I remember reading that and I was just like, dear God. Like, we're going to cancel Mother Teresa now, too? Like, for real? Like, 
You just let her be the sweet old lady that I want her to be and just leave it at that, right? You know, like, but as I was reading it more and thinking about it for the sermon today, that's good. That's good to remember that Mother Teresa was just as broken and fallen and hurting as all the rest of us. And if you read her journals, she was very aware of that. See, in our two readings today, we see a picture of the saints before glory. And what marks them as blessed is not anything that they do or anything about them, but a declaration. And in Revelation, we see those same type of people now given access, direct access to the throne of God. Not to celebrate what they've done, but marked by dress. In our gospel reading, we have this refrain over and over again, blessed, 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 blessed. Set apart, marked off as God's prized possession. And that blessedness comes not from anything that they've done, but actually the lowly state that they find themselves in. It's interesting to see that blessed are those who society and religion has deemed losers. This ain't no hall of fame of rock stars. And he declares them blessed. My favorite, one of my favorites is when he says, Blessed are those who hunger and yearn for righteousness. Thank God he didn't say, blessed are those who are righteous. He said, blessed are those who hunger and yearn for righteousness. You hunger and yearn for something that you desire, but you can't get for yourself. Blessed are those who wish they were better than what they are. Blessed are those who desire to be the man or woman that God created them to be, but just keep screwing it up. He declares them blessed. And then the saints in heaven. They're not marked with halos like iPads above their head, giving a five-minute highlight reel of the great achievements they've done. They're not marked by anything in and of themselves. It says that they are marked by white robes that are made white by blood, the blood of the lamb. It symbolizes that they are covered, that underneath that is not something pure, but they are marked as pure, that they are covered by what Christ has done. And in some ways, that's... Part of the reason that I like this dress. Because <laughs> normally I don't like wearing medieval looking dresses. <laughs> it's okay on, on Sunday morning, but normally I don't. You should be glad for that. Um, <laughs> my sons are. Uh, but no, the reason I, li- I like it is because there is some symbolism behind it. Because underneath all of this, you see, it's just pretty, right? Medieval street clothes. In black. That's what I am, a nobody. (laughs) A dirty loser. (laughs) But whenever I come forward to proclaim the gospel of grace that I have no right to do, we put this over. Being covered with white. 
because I ain't pure. But Jesus has marked me as such. And so then I can stand here today and proclaim a gospel that I struggle to hold on to. And that's the beauty of what's happening here today. Because we're having an infant be baptized. And I know, you know, the baby's cute. And you guys, like, you know, like, you know, like putting on Facebook, like, oh, the baby smile. Like, you know, like, you're all excited about it. But it's really, that's not that impressive. Um, the baby hasn't actually done anything that great yet. And yet, nonetheless, by God's grace, that baby is being marked as a saint. What a reminder to all of us. What a beautiful thing. See, All Saints Day is a day in which we celebrate men and women, old and senile, and babies that can't talk yet. Here now and that are long gone, that are no different than you and I. Saints that had times of victory and failure, much of their life, though, was marked by monotonous activity of no regard. The majority of them, history has forgotten, society has forgotten, even their own descendants have forgotten. And yet, because of God's grace, they are saints. Worshiping with us now, because like them, we approach God marked by the grace of Christ, washed clean by his blood, and carried through whatever ordeal we might be facing by grace alone, granted to us by faith alone, in Christ alone. My brothers and sisters, we are what we are because of who Christ is. And today we are reminded that as we approach God, fully dependent upon his grace offered to us through his son, we are joined by a multitude that encompasses many generations, nations, and classes. That includes those, if we study church history and theology, we may be able to name, and many other others that nobody remembers. Nevertheless, we, along with all those who came before us, are marked as saints, not because of what we have accomplished, but because of what Christ has accomplished. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm.